morning, everybody. How are you today? We doing good? All right. Man, it's good to be with you guys. We are uh, continuing a series that we're in called Watch List. Uh, last week was the show Alone. Uh, this week we're talking about a show called Severance. And next week, you can't miss next week. Next week is Bluey. So we're gonna do Bluey next week. Uh, Toby, Toby, our founding pastor Toby's actually teaching next week and doing Bluey. So it's gonna be a good weekend. Let me, uh, let me begin with this. You know, uh, something that has gotten me in trouble in life is the words, I thought. I thought. I remember getting my first speeding ticket and telling the officer, I thought the speed limit was 60, you know. And what you replied, it doesn't really matter what you thought. I remember in college uh, telling my professors, I thought the paper was due next week, you know, I thought. Uh, when, when me and Alex decided that she was gonna quit her job and stay home with the kids. I had no idea how hard of a job it was to be a stay-at-home mom. And remember the first day I came home and the, the uh, you know, she's exhausted and the baby's crying. And I opened the fridge and I said, I thought you were gonna go to the grocery store today, you know. <laughs> I think I followed it up with, with, what exactly have you been doing all day today, you know. That's when I knew the next time anybody would see me was gonna be on a Dateline special. Because <laughs> she was gonna kill me. The words I thought have always gotten me in trouble. It's gotten me in trouble in life. It's gotten me in trouble in my faith. Because the moment that I start depending on what I thought God was going to do is the moment I really stop trusting him and start trusting my own plans. In fact, there's a lot of stories in the Bible of people that missed the work of God because what they expected was not what he did. And they thought he was going to do it a certain way. And one of my favorites is the story of a man named Naaman in 2 Kings chapter five. And Naaman was a commander of a great army, but he had leprosy. And so he went to the prophet Elisha to see if Elisha could heal him. And when he got there, Elisha told him, go wash in the Jordan River seven times and you will be cleansed. Now you gotta understand, the Jordan River was a very nasty river. It was a very dirty river. Probably was not a good idea to bathe in this river, especially if you had open wounds. And so uh, uh, Naaman uh, says he stormed away angry and then he said these words, in 2 Kings chapter five, verse 11, it says, I thought, I thought, I thought he was just gonna wave his hand and I would be healed. He thought, and so it said he was angry and walked away. And then this humble servant comes to Naaman and he says, Naaman, how could you pass up on healing? How could you pass up on transformation? How could you pass up on a new life just because it wasn't the way that you thought. Because it didn't happen the way you thought it should happen. And it says because of these words of encouragement from his servant that Naaman did, in fact, go and get baptized and he was healed. And it just reminded me of how many times that I've allowed, I thought, get between me and joy. How, how many times I've allowed, I thought, get between me and freedom or me in peace, and so today I just wanna encourage you, whatever you came in today with, whatever expectation 
you had, whatever's going on in your life that you thought God was going to do something different just to release that. Just let him do his thing. It's not easy, right? But it's always better. It's always better. So we're in this series called Watchlist, and uh, I, I, how many of you have ever seen the show Severance? It's an Apple original. All right, so one and two. All right, fantastic, fantastic. So this is gonna be a huge hit today. It's awesome. Well, let me give you a little bit of a uh, context for a clip I'm about to show you. Uh, Severance is about a show that this company created the ability for you to really compartmentalize your life. They insert a chip inside of you, and when you go to work, you forget everything that's happening in your personal life. And when you're not at work, you forget everything that's happening in your work life. And so there's this man named Mark Scout who's a a star of this show, and he goes through this uh, procedure so that he can forget about his personal life. Now, one thing that you find out as the character development goes on is that Mark has been through some tragic uh, seasons, and uh, he's really dealing with a lot of trauma because his wife had died in a car accident one year later. And so I want you to see how Mark is handling this trauma in his life. Watch this clip. See you this evening. Yeah, see you soon. So you can see that Mark really had no intentions of getting healthy or being healed. What he wanted was to numb out the pain in his life. 
And so he chose to do this so that he could spend nine hours of his day ignoring his personal life, ignoring the trauma that he had been through. Remind me a lot of myself and probably a lot of you where uh, sometimes we choose to just numb out instead of actually getting healed, right? It's a lot easier that way. And so my question for someone like Mark Scout who has no intentions of actually finding well, what's going on inside of his heart, my question for him and the question I have for you today is, do you really wanna get healed? Do you really want to get healed? Or are you just interested in your situation changing? Let me say it this way, are you more interested in your situation changing than your heart changing? See, that's the question that Jesus had for a guy that was by the pool, of, of a pool called Bethesda in John 5, verses one through nine. I wanna read it for you. And he asked this guy the question if he really, really wants to get healed. So we're gonna read it together. I'm gonna break it down for you uh, really verse by verse. We'll throw it up on the screen. So I'm gonna read it. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which is called, in Hebrew, Bethesda. Bethesda means house of mercy, is what Bethesda means. It has five porches. Let's go to the next one. In these lay a great multitude of sick people. Everybody say a great multitude. Blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Stop right there and then I will continue. So in Jerusalem, you have the pool of Bethesda. And it was two separate pools and around it you had four porches and then a porch that went in the middle. And the first thing we learn about this is there was a great multitude of sick people. Of course there was. Of course there was. Because sick people attract sick people. And miserable people attract miserable people. And negative people attract negative people. You know, that's why it's so important that in our life we take seriously our calling to be salt and light, because salt attracts salt and light attracts light. We got enough hopelessness in this world, we need some hopefulness in this world, isn't that true? You know your greatest calling in life is not to come to church, it's not to read your Bible or lead a Bible. Your greatest calling in life is to go into the places that God has given you influence, in your work, in your home, at your school, and be a representation of who Jesus was. Someone that's filled with joy and encouragement and kindness. I tell people who are new to their faith all the time, listen, don't worry about the prayer thing right now. Let's get the being kind thing down first. Don't worry about everybody knowing your opinion right now. Let everybody know your love. One of my favorite passages is the Pharisees getting so mad at Jesus because he was this Jewish rabbi, this Jewish teacher, and he wasn't teaching his disciples how to fast and pray. And the Pharisees were going, why aren't you doing that? You need to teach your disciples how to fast. And Jesus said, you can't put old wine in new wineskin. What he meant by it was, hey, I'm just trying to teach these guys the basics right now so that when I leave, the church is actually helping people and not just praying for people. Let me tell you, sometimes we gotta get back to the basics. We gotta get back to the basics. Let's get the love thing down first. Then we can talk about everything else. But let's get that down first. And I'm telling you that one of the greatest encouragements for me is making sure that I'm surrounded 
by people who want the same thing. Because good company breeds good character. All right, let's keep going. So great multitude of sick people, for an angel went down at a certain time in the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Stop right there. Super weird passage. We're not gonna read through that. Like that's just nothing. In fact, it's a little strange because your Bible probably doesn't have this verse in it. Unless you read the King James Version or the New King James Version, your Bible probably skipped this verse. It'll just say right there from three to five, just skipping verse four. And the reason for that is a couple things. One, some scholars believe that John didn't actually write this verse, that it was someone added it later on uh, in history. And so they don't think it was original to John, the author. And so they uh, took it out. Another reason that it was taken out is some scholars believe this was a myth, as if the verse should have read, legend has it that this is what occurs. Some people believe that it was uh, actually a natural spring that bubbled up in the bath and people thought it was an angel or it was an angel and an angel came down and stirred the water and people got healed. We really don't know. What we know is that there was people who believed that an angel came down and stirred the water and that's uh, what's important. And so it goes on and it says this. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. 38 years. That is a long time. 13,870 days. I just did that math in my head. Just kidding. I don't know for sure, but I imagine that this man had been there maybe longer than anybody else. I don't know for sure. I personally think he had been lying there for 38 years and he was a veteran. He was kind of the old wise sage that was around the pool of Bethesda because when I read the gospels, isn't it so like Jesus to interact with the people who are hurting the most, who are least expecting it, who thought it was too late? Because that's what Jesus does. He comes in when you have given up all hope and he reminds you that it was on the third day in a sealed tomb guarded by Roman soldiers that he beat hell and resurrected so that when you and I walk through hell, we can have hope of resurrection. And be reminded that our faith is never too late. Your child is never too far gone. Your situation is never too bad for him to meet you where you're at and do the impossible. So this man was sitting at the pool. It was called Bethesda. Bethesda, house of mercy. Mercy is when God chooses to come off of his throne and show us compassion and forgiveness despite whether you feel like you deserve it or not. It's Ephesians 2, four through five, but because of God's great love, who is rich in mercy, he has given us life even when we were dead in our transgressions. You know, so much of my life has been based off what I believe I deserve and don't deserve. And I wonder if I would just take time to stop thinking about what I deserve and don't deserve and just receive the mercy that God has for me, how that would change. Psalms 136 says that I would experience his love like never before if I did that. 
Okay, so we'll keep going. In verse six, it says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already uh, been in that condition a long time, 38 years, he said to him, do you wanna be made well? I think that's such a weird question. Do you want to be made well? I remember sitting in a counseling session a couple years ago and my counselor looked at me and said, Josiah, do you want to be healthy? And I started telling her about all the situations around me and how I needed them to change. And she said, that's not what I asked. I asked if you wanted to be healthy. Because being healthy doesn't have anything to do with the situation around you. Do you want to be healthy? Because it might take a little bit of effort. It might require a little something from you. Getting better, getting healthy might require you to leave what is comfortable. See, I think this man who had been lying there for 38 years, dealing with the same sickness, same scene, same results, same frustrations, this man at the pool had to have become very comfortable with where he was at and maybe even familiar. But you can't have familiarity and freedom at the same time. You gotta pick one. You can't have, let me say it this way, you can't have the same marriage and a better marriage at the same time. You can't, you can't become less busy, but also not take anything off your calendar. You can't kick the addiction, but also do it sometimes. You can't have familiarity and freedom at the same time. And so as silly as this question may seem to some of us, it's a very real question that we should ask ourselves. Do you actually want to be healed? Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to be better? Do you want to have more intimacy in your marriage? Because you might, you might need to shut up and be a better listener and not always have to have the final word. Do you really wanna be free from shame? Because you might have to take an hour out of your Monday, go to some counseling, and actually practice renewing your mind with the truths of God's word. Do you actually want to be healthy? You might have to work out. You might have to eat better. Do you want to be healed? Because listen, you can't live the same life and also step into a new life. You can't do it. And so do you want to be healed is what Jesus asked him. I gotta love, you gotta love the response of this man. Pull it up real quick. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps in before me. You gotta love that when Jesus asks him, do you wanna be healed, he starts complaining about his situation and how everybody else is messing him up. I'm so glad we never do that. Woo. But if they would apologize, if they would say they're sorry, if they would show me love, if they would get it right, then I wouldn't be in this situation. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Do you want to be healthy? Do you want to be healed? And Jesus says to him, verse eight, rise, take up your bed and walk. And Jesus heals him. Rise, take up your bed and walk. 
You see, I think this is so interesting because this man's prayer was that an angel of God would come down, stir the waters, and someone would pick him up and put him in the water. See, he was praying that God would come down. See, he thought, he thought, he thought God would come down. He thought God would stir the waters. He thought God would change his situation. God didn't really have interest in changing his situation. God wanted to change his heart. And so the answer to his prayer was not that God would come down. It was that Jesus would walk by and give him the power to stand up. See, he thought that God would come down, but what he got was the power to stand up. Because that's what grace does. Grace gives you the Holy Spirit, which gives you the ability and the authority and the strength and the courage to stand up, to walk out of this situation, the situation you grew comfortable with and familiar with, the situation you've been dealing with for 38 years. I absolutely believe in the sovereignty and power of God that he's able to do all things, in all things, through all things, whenever he wants. But the whole point of Jesus coming was so that you would have the power to stand up that you could stand up and have more faith, that you could stand up and have more patience, that you could stand up and have more joy and be honoring and loving and a servant and full of integrity and so much more. See, a lot of times our prayer is, God, will you come down? God, will you come down? God, will you come down? And God is going, I already came down. I came down and gave you the power to stand up, to stand up and do what's pleasing to me, to stand up. Came down not for you to be a victim, but to be victorious. Where do you need to stand up today? Maybe your prayers need to change. I can't miss this detail of of him being sick for 38 years because I know that in this room today, there's people who've been dealing with, you've been dealing with some pain for a long time, man. And you know what happens when you've been dealing with something so painful for so long is it begins to feel like it it is your identity. I am depressed, I'm an addict, I'm an alcoholic, I'm divorced, whatever it is, I'm broken. And this man, he's a man with no name. It says that he, it was just a man who had been sick For 38 years, I just want to remind you, you are not your mistakes and you are not your sickness. You are not your weaknesses. Better clap for that. That's a gospel, man. That is what the good news is about. Let me end with just this this story. Genesis 35, um, Jacob and Rachel, they're having all these kids. And uh, Rachel has her last child, huh. and uh, it was a really hard birth, is what the Bible says. In fact, she died in childbirth, and the Bible says that she endured a lot of pain in this birth. And so when the baby was born in Genesis 35, it says that Rachel named him Benoni. And Benoni means son of suffering. She had named him the identity of the pain that he had brought. 
But then the very next verse, it says, but his father, but his father, but his father changed his name to Benjamin, which means son of favor. You may have been dealing with something for 38 years and longer, and you may feel like that is now your identity, but your father, your father, your father has changed your name. You are loved, you are chosen, you are holy, you are victorious. Your father has changed your name. Walk in that name. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much that you are such a God of mercy, such a God of grace. God, we thank you for coming down when you did so that you may give us the power and the authority and the desire to live what's pleasing to you. God, I thank you that we can stand up in Jesus' name and walk out of this situation. That we can stand up in Jesus' name and be healed. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, God. In Jesus' name, amen.